Well, hello, Marsfield Community Church. My name's Al Stewart. Uh, I work for the Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, uh, and I'm a friend of Hans Christensen, and Hans has invited me to speak this week. So uh, let me begin uh, with a, uh, a story from a while ago. There was a time when, for our family when our kids were small that we would spend holidays on a sheep station out near Cobar in western New South Wales. And one of the things our little kids loved to do was drive the car. So we'd be driving along a, a dirt track with huge trees on either side doing 30 or 40 kilometres an hour and one of our kids, maybe aged about four or something, would sit on my lap and, and be steering and driving. Right, so uh, you've got a Land Cruiser, you know, two-ton vehicle, 40 kilometres an hour, big trees on either side, and a four-year-old driving. And my wife, Cathy, would sit in the passenger seat completely serene and calm. Now, why did she do that? Well, I'll come back to it. But, you know, our world can feel like there's a four-year-old driving. I, uh, you, you may feel like the world is out of control because of the coronavirus and then uh, the Delta variant and it's messing up our whole country, um, whether they're going to bring in vaccine passports or not, or what will happen then, and what's the future on that. And then uh, in international relations, China is becoming uh, uh, more assertive around the world and kind of pushing on things. And, well, there's nothing to worry about because the United States will protect us because Mr. Biden is in charge. Uh, yeah. Um, and then there's climate change and and I haven't even got to your extended family yet and uh, things to be anxious about. Anxiety's there in our world. Some of us are more naturally anxious than others. Uh, I know, you know, uh, with our kids, one of them, um, I won't say which one it is, but he drives, well, I've only got one son, I guess I did just say it. He drives his car around with a petrol light on, you know, saying you're about to run out of petrol. He'll just drive around like that and the, the car's sucking fumes and what's there to worry about? Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, well, you shouldn't be anxious, should you? Because, you know, you know, he's in charge. And so a lot of Christians are anxious. So if you're anxious and a follower of Jesus, you can now add guilt to that and feel guilty about being anxious. And, and my aim today is not to make you feel guilty. Uh, I want to look with you at a part of the book of uh, Philippians, or actually the letter of Philippians. It's a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in Philippi, which is in the northern part of Greece. There's a map. Um, and uh, Philippians would be Paul's happiest letter. Uh, he loves these people. They've supported him for maybe 10 years. Um, he started the church 10 years earlier, like from when he writes the letter. Um, they've been supporting him in really practical ways. And if you like, this is Paul's happiest letter. And um, chapter four is the happiest part of that letter. <laughs> okay. And I want to talk to you about two really practical things as, that he talks about as he finishes the letter. And that is anxiety and contentment. Anxiety and contentment without making you feel guilty. Uh, if you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus, then uh, these are really practical things about how we live and great news. And if you're not there yet, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, have a think about if you did embrace this and did follow him, what difference it would make in life. All right. Anxieties, um, I think, very common 
in Australia, deeply grounded. Last year, I had a couple of weeks in the bush up in Queensland and with, uh, with three kind of average Aussie blokes, uh, friends of mine who aren't, aren't followers of Jesus, two out of three of those guys are on um, medication for anxiety. You've just got to look a little, you know, scratch a little bit and, and see just how, how common that is. Now, here's a definition of anxiety. Um, it'll be on a slide. Anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind caused by fear of danger or misfortune. Now, that, that's not a bad definition, but there's something missing, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Um, you know, isn't it strange that, that we live in such a free and beautiful, wonderful country? In fact, uh, the United Nations rated Australia number six out of um, over, no, number six out of 189 countries in the Human Development Index. So, like, we are right up the top, one of the freest, richest um, societies in the history of the planet. And yet, there is a plague in Australia. Now, I know, I know COVID's here and, and it's an epidemic and it's messing up life, but there's another plague uh, in Australia just a little bit uh, below the surface, if you look, and that is anxiety. And that is millions of Australians actually suffer significantly with anxiety. If you go to the Beyond Blue website, um, th these were the stats they had there. One in five men in Australia suffer from anxiety during their lifetime and one in three women suffer from anxiety. Now that's just not worry, that's anxiety to the level of needing medical assistance. Um, and of course, the COVID thing with you know, lockdowns and job loss and uncertainty, um, you know, the news media is full of the mental health crisis that's coming because of that. In fact, I think medical authorities are still trying to come to terms with just how much anxiety has risen because of the COVID thing. But there's other reasons too that are built in why we are so anxious. Um, fear sells in terms of the news media. I know um, uh, the whole you know the whole thing about television news or, or newspapers and websites. They take all the problems of the world and drop it in your lap. I know Kathy, uh, my Kathy, my wife likes to have the news on on the TV while she, you know, she cooks dinner at night. She's a great cook. She does the cooking there, um, and and I'll walk in and SBS will show you all sorts of terrible things happening all around the world, and I say to Kathy, look, I, yeah, that's enough. I just want to turn it off. Uh, um, I tell you the news story you'll never hear. Okay, here it is. You'll never hear this. That is okay. News flash. In hundreds of towns and suburbs all around Australia today, nothing bad happened. Life was pretty good. You just, that won't make the news. And anxiety, I, I suspect there's a rise in anxiety, not just because of the COVID thing, but because of a change in our so many world views over time. See, uh, let me, let's look at the, the new atheist worldview. There's not much that's new, but let's look at the new atheist worldview. So Richard Dawkins, who's, I guess, a kind of a spokesman for that worldview, he wrote this in his book, River Out of Eden. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. 
In 2008-2009, Richard Dawkins was the patron of a campaign on double-decker buses in London and a few other cities. And, and the campaign said this, There's probably no God. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. Okay, that was the campaign. But equally, they could have put on the double-decker bus, There's probably no God. Uh, sorry, they could have put on the double-decker bus this part from what Dawkins had written. There probably is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil and no good, nothing but blind, pitiless indifference. Now stop worrying and enjoy your life. And so if you're on Professor Dawkins' atheist bus as you career through life, there's actually no driver. It's not even a four-year-old driving. There's no one driving. So who knows what's going to happen and it's all random and... Are you anxious? Yes, you should be. Now let's drill down a bit. What difference does it make if you actually follow Jesus? Here's a better definition of anxiety. So the Oxford Learner's Dictionary says this, anxiety about or over something is the state of feeling nervous or worried that something bad is going to happen. You see that extra part in the definition about the future? It's that something bad is going to happen. See, anxiety is always based on something that's going to happen in the future. Now, in the present, you might suffer, you might be sick, you might be hungry, etc. But anxiety is always about the future. So, really, anxiety is paying interest uh, on something that hasn't happened yet and may never happen. Um, now, you still have to plan for the future, etc. But um, we need to be aware anxiety is fear of the future. And so Jesus says, as he teaches us, there is a God who um, has the future in hand, the present and the future. So in Matthew chapter 10, he says this, uh, Matthew 10, 29, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows. Hairs of your head all numbered. I know, I know. All right. So what's he saying? There's God who has things in control. Um, and, and Jesus understands or teaches the future and anxiety. So in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, if I can go back to why Kathy could sit so calmly in that car as a four-year-old drove along the country road, I'll tell you why she could sit calm. That is, she knew my hand never left the steering wheel. So the little, the little one's steering at the top, but I always had hold of the bottom of that steering wheel. It wasn't going anywhere that I didn't choose. And the, and the kids didn't even understand about the brake and the accelerator. Now, what's Jesus saying? Our world, right, in our world, God has his hand on the wheel. God has things in control. And so you need not fear the future if you belong to him. You see two very different worldviews. The atheist, there is no driver. It's all just random. Who knows what will happen? Jesus is saying there is an almighty hand on the wheel that cares for his people. And so the logical thing, and finally I get to Philippians chapter 4, the logical thing is, let's talk to the one who's in control. See what the Apostle Paul says, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says this, 
Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what's the alternative to anxiety? Prayer. Now, the petition word just means requests, and notice he says, with thanksgiving. That is taking the time to be thankful for all the good things that God gives us. Now, he says, don't be anxious. Uh, let, me, let me just show you something about the Apostle Paul. Earlier in Philippians, he says, uh, chapter 2, verse 28, he talks about um, sending Epaphras back home to Philippi. And he says, therefore, I, I am all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. He's worried about the Philippians and them missing Epaphroditus. And he's anxious. Now, it's not exactly the same word as in chapter 4 about anxiety, but it means essentially the same thing. Or in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, he says, And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for the churches. And the word translated concern there is exactly the same word as anxiety uh, in Philippians chapter 4. So Paul's saying don't be anxious, but he's not a machine. He, he still worries himself as well. Okay, uh, If you like, he's got a bucket load of faith, but the bucket leaks a little and the leak is anxiety. Notice he's saying, um, if you look at verse 7, uh, let me read 6 and 7 again. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, do you know, you can know all of this, and actually believe it, and, and still be anxious. Why? Well, I guess I achieved that. Why? What if God doesn't do things the way I want? I mean, I pray, but what if God chooses to do something else? Well, you know what? That, that's good news. Here's how it works. We pray, we bring our requests to God with thanksgiving. We ask God for things. We, we tell him what it is we'd really want and what we need, etc. And then he decides what happens. And sometimes he might give us what we want and sometimes he might give us something different. Now, isn't that good news? <laughs> Think about it this way. Do you really want God to give every Christian person everything they pray for? You know, I mean, I don't know how many crazy Christians you've met. Um, I've, I've met plenty, right? Got to love them, got to welcome them. But man, some of the things they might pray for. And what if they pray for something for you? Do you want God to do that? No, no, no. The good news is God stays in charge. You pray, you bring it to God, you trust him with the future, then he decides. It's good news. I mean, and, and you see it in hindsight. So a couple of years ago... I thought I was in the running for a particular job and, it and I prayed about it and thought, yeah, this might be what God wants me to do. So, and as it turned out, I was never in the running. I felt like a total idiot. I missed out. I was really disappointed. But as I look back, man, I am so glad I didn't get that job. I just, it would have been a, a disaster. Anyway, all right. So God, God chooses, he decides, it's good news. Now, verse 7 about the peace of God which transcends all understanding some people say, oh, well, look, it doesn't say you'll experience the peace of God. It just says, you know, the peace, God, the peace of God will literally stand guard over your hearts and minds. But I can't help but think, if we don't experience that peace, 
have we prayed? Have we given it to God? Have we left it with him and trusted him? The more we're able to do that, the more we will experience the peace of God, literally. Now, one thing, one thing to say um, quickly, different personalities are on like a continuum. There are some people who just don't seem to be anxious about anything, right? Like my son who drives around with a petrol light in his car, doesn't seem to worry about anything. Um, there are others of us who are naturally more anxious. It's not wrong uh, if you need help in terms of medicine or medication to deal with anxiety. That's not wrong. Uh, I want to encourage you to understand the Bible and, and faith and theology and the massive difference that makes. But it's not wrong to need medication. I get migraines occasionally and I have to take medication for that. That's just something in here that needs some work. And if medication helps with anxiety, that's fine. Okay, so Christians shouldn't feel guilty about taking medicine. All right, now, um, we're, I'm going to have to drive past verses 8 and 9. They're solid gold, but maybe another time. All right, so um, trust God with the future uh, rather than feel anxious and pray and talk to him. But then Paul, um, Paul talks and they've finally, the Philippians have finally been able to care for him. And they've sent him either money or food via Epaphroditus, and he's really pleased. Look at what he says in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have, notice, learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Now, Paul's really pleased with their gift, but not so much because what's come to him, but that what they've done in giving will be very pleasing to God. Um, in fact, later in verse 18, he'll say it's a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice and pleasing to God. But you notice what Paul's learned, and it's a great secret in verse 11. Okay, What he's saying is he's learned not to be happy. Happiness is hard to nail down. It's even hard to define. Okay, We're not talking about happiness. Um, how would you define happiness? Hard to Hard to nail down. The Oxford English Dictionary, right? Definition of happiness is the state of being happy. I think yeah, that's not much help. Um, I mean, happiness is a positive feeling. It comes and goes depending on the circumstances. No, no. What did Paul says he's learned? He's learned contentment. Contentment. And that's why the Bible, the Bible never says pursue happiness. The Bible says seek contentment. Now, what does it mean? Well, learning contentment might be harder than you think. We're surrounded by, um, how can I put it, the discontent, uh, the discontentment industry. Um, you know, advertising is all about if you just have this particular thing, then life will be better. You know, you'll be content. Uh, social media, uh, social media actually has really negative impact on people, particularly young ones. Uh, you look at all these. The lives of other people that aren't real they're all kind of curated images put up and you think what's wrong with my life and it just feeds discontent uh, or for us where we live you know we get a the local paper delivered and it's got a hundred pages of glossy houses for sale that are better than ours and you know someone called it's a hundred pages of real estate porn that's that's just breeding discontent um, look at look at what um, the Apostle Paul says, 
the word contentment there in the, in the New Testament, in, in verses 11 and 12, the root, the root meaning or the, the original part of the word for contentment, akeo, is the idea of enough, enough. And so contentment is being able to enjoy what we have now and to be able to say, you know what, that it's enough to be able to enjoy it, enough. So look at verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. You may recognize that verse 13. Sometimes different athletes will put that on a wristband or something. You know, I can do all things through God who gives me strength. Um, that picture there is Tavita Kiridani, who played for the Wallabies. Uh, good on him for putting a Bible verse on his arm, but I don't think that Bible verse is about sport or whatever. I think it's saying that you can learn contentment through God who gives you the strength to be content. Now, how will God teach us contentment? Well, it's through learning that our, our status and our security come from him in terms of status, like who are we, what are we worth, am I important, do I matter? It's not about the stuff that I own, um, it's about knowing him. And security, am I safe, will I be okay in the future, is not about things, it's about knowing our creator and trusting him. So um, that's got, we've got to learn that, to actually understand contentment. Now, does that mean that, that if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't be ambitious? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the Apostle Paul's ambitious all the time. He's, he's ambitious to plant new churches. He's ambitious to travel and tell people about Jesus. He's, um, he's very ambitious for the kingdom of God. And you might be thinking, oh, no, wait a minute, Alan. That's not, not what I meant. I mean, what about, you know, a better job or more money or a bigger house or something? think, well, with, with following Jesus and ambitions, it's always good to ask the question, why? And what am I ambitious for? Um, if you're ambitious to earn more money so that you can be generous and give it away and do good with it, great. Um, if you're ambitious to want to climb the ladder at work so that you can look after and care and bless more people, great. If you want a bigger house so that you can be hospitable and welcome more people, fantastic. But if you want those things so ultimately it'll make you feel better about yourself and give you more self-worth, it'll never be enough. It'll never be enough. All right, so let's try and pull some of this together. Anxiety means we actually spoil the present because we're afraid about the future. And discontent means we can't actually enjoy what we have in the present. We won't be able to enjoy the good things we have now. So let's put it positively. What, what's Paul saying? He's saying not being anxious means don't be afraid about the future because there's a God, a creator, uh, our Lord Jesus, who promises everything will be okay. And contentment is being able to enjoy life and the good things we have now. And all this comes from learning to actually trust Jesus in the present and with our future. Would you pray with me? Our Father, um, please help us to trust you more, 
with our future, knowing that you control all things. And please help us to learn contentment and to appreciate the good things that you give us now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.